In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus has been giving us parables the past few weeks, which are meant to help us reflect on our final judgment. And we get the last of those parables today, and it's one we're familiar with, the parable of the talents. Now, the word talent here, we should understand as money. The parable isn't about how God gave you a talent as a guitarist and Jesus wants you to go off and start a band. Right? It's a, a talent is a weight of gold. It's equivalent to about 75 pounds. So when I was writing this homily, the price of gold was roughly $2,000 an ounce. So that's $32,000 a pound, which means that a talent is about $2.4 million. So we're talking about a lot of money. Right? And mind you, this was paid in gold, so just physically it's a lot of gold to hold on to. So there's a huge investment here. And Jesus tells us in the parable that the man entrusts his money with these three servants according to their ability. So the first one gets five talents, the second gets two, and the last one gets one. Now we might immediately think to ourselves, that doesn't sound fair. Well, fairness isn't a biblical virtue. The reality is that all of us come from different backgrounds, different financial, family, friends, education, ability, intellect. We're all different. But God entrusts to us his grace according to our ability. And he also expects us to produce fruit according to our capacity in proportion to what he has given us. And we really do the same thing in our life, right? So if we spend a lot of money on something, you're building a house, well, you're more interested in that thing being successful if you're pouring all your money into it, right? So then this man goes away for a while. It could be days, it could be years, it really doesn't matter. But eventually he comes back and he does an audit. He wants to know what happened to his investment. So the first servant doubled his investment. He had five talents, now he has five more. And to that servant the man said, well done, you have been faithful in small things, I will trust you with great things. Come, share your master's joy. What about the second servant? Now, he wasn't even given half as much as the first servant, but he was also prudent. And he took his investment and doubled it. And so for that, he gets the same reward as the first servant, even though in actuality, their amounts are totally different. So comparison is the thief of joy. It doesn't matter what so-and-so has and you don't. What matters is who you are before God. What you have done with what God has given you. And so then we come to the third servant. Now what has he done? He hasn't stolen the money, but he did nothing with it. Nothing. Nothing at all. Or at least that's what it seems like in the parable. Listen to what he says. Master, I knew you were a demanding person, harvesting where you did not plant and gathering where you did not scatter. So out of fear, I went off and buried your talent in the ground. What's he really saying here? He's saying, you're a hard guy to work for. You have such high standards and rules. You expect so much of us. And so I was afraid to screw it up. So I just put the money away so I wouldn't lose it. The opposite of faith isn't doubt. You can doubt yourself, you can doubt God, and you can still come out fine in the end if you're acting on faith. Look at Thomas. We call him Doubting Thomas. The most important event in all Christianity is the resurrection, and Thomas doubted it. And what do we call him now? St. Thomas. So no, the opposite of faith isn't doubt, it's fear. 
Fear paralyzes us. And what we do when we're paralyzed by fear is we do the things that make us comfortable. And we avoid the things that are hard. The master calls this servant wicked and lazy, but has he really been lazy? Think about it. Right? I haven't met a lot of people that are consistently lazy in every part of their life. No, people are usually selectively lazy. This servant had to go dig a hole big enough to hide 75 pounds of gold. And then when he heard the master was coming back, he had to go dig it all out again. And when we're paralyzed by fear, we make ourselves busy with the comfortable. And we avoid doing the faithful. Now, the other two servants, they went and actively worked hard to double their investment. They knew what they had been given was of such significant value, and they took that investment seriously, and they worked hard. The last servant didn't even try. The master points out that he could have at least gone to the bank and invested it. Right Then he could have just sat back and let the bank do something. Why didn't he do that, you think? Because banks keep records. He doesn't want anyone to know what he's doing. He wants to be this free man that sticks to the comfortable, that lives his life, that doesn't have to worry about pleasing anyone but himself. And he plays it safe, right? He keeps his money protected. He doesn't want to get in trouble. Remember I talked a few weeks ago about people who always will talk about how they don't do X, Y, Z, right? They don't go to Mass. They don't pray. They don't try to live a moral life. They don't do the churchy things that Christians do. But they still want to say, well, we're, we're good people, though. The first commandment that God gave man in all of Scripture in Genesis was be fruitful. We aren't dealing with a God who works with intentions. Well, I, I intended to get to that. I, I was going to go invest it. I just had, you didn't give me enough time. No. We're dealing with a God who wants results, who wants action. So then this last servant, because he did nothing, because he did nothing with his master's investment, he loses even that. He's told, so even the little thing you thought you had, because you didn't take it seriously, even that you don't have anymore because you didn't care. Now he can have all the side hustles he wants to live his comfortable life, but because he didn't do the things that he needed to do where it counted, he ended up with nothing in the end. And we can apply this a parable to all sorts of places in our lives. We can apply it to our family, as a parent, as a spouse. We can apply it to the literal investments that people have made into us, money, time, effort. But the biggest takeaway for us today is how we apply it to the life of grace. Because when it comes to what Jesus Christ has done for us, what he has invested in us, he paid top dollar. He has given us everything. Even what we think we have isn't really ours. He invested life in us. And what are we doing with it? The Christian author Joyce Meyer put it this way. She says, if you were accused of being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? That's a question I think all of us need to ask ourselves as we come to the end of our liturgical year. Next weekend, we culminate the year by celebrating the kingship of Christ over the universe. Everything. We acknowledge that everything is under his dominion. But is that how we really live? I mentioned that procession we're going to have next week, right? So when I mention there's a procession, right, in your head, you're like, wow, that's going to be long. I'm not going to get to the carriage house for brunch in time before First Baptist and Jefferson Street get there, okay? Does Christ have dominion over your life or not? What are you doing? 
with the opportunity of grace that God has given you every day. What have you really done with his investment? Because at the end of the day, all that other stuff doesn't matter, right? All those things you spent yourself going after, money, your career, what people think about you, it doesn't matter at all if what really counts, if what, when it came to what really counts, you did nothing, if you didn't even try. Because in the Christian life, you either go forward or you lose it all. There's no standing still. So remain in Jesus Christ, and you will bear much fruit. Praise be Jesus Christ, now and forever. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.